listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, May the 17th in the year of our Lord, 2021. And the readings for this coming Sunday, it's Pentecost. Readings from Ezekiel 37, Acts chapter 2, and John 15. The reason I really like the reading we're going to be looking at, and that's the Ezekiel chapter 37, is it makes a point that I have been making for months here on law and gospel, that there are two parts in coming to a proper understanding of the Bible. The first is to interpret it as to what it is saying, but that's not sufficient. What has to happen next is how does it apply to us? And the reason I like Ezekiel 37 is that the interpretation almost always ends up in a wrong application. And that's what we're going to be talking about. The interpretation is simply, what are the words saying? The application is, what has this got to do with the distinctions between law and gospel? So in a sermon, when you're doing a sermon, you help the people to understand the text. Occasionally there are words, even in the English, they may not understand, and that's the interpretation. But how to apply it to their lives is where law and gospel comes in. So Ezekiel 37, I believe, is a great example that can lead to a misapplication. So let's take a look at it. Verse 1, chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Now that's Ezekiel. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them. And behold, there were many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, 
Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Okay, that's the text. Now, there, there's more to it, and we're going to see it in a moment. But how would you analyze what God is doing here? Dead bones, bringing them to life. I would say that the obvious interpretation is judgment day. When the bones are in the graves, uh, people who have died, and God brings them back to life. Remember, when a believer dies, the spirit goes to heaven. And then on judgment day, what happens is his body or her body is raised from the dead and rejoined with the spirit in heaven to live eternally with Jesus Christ. So that appears to be an application that makes sense because they are dead bones. So the next point is, is that the proper application that we're talking about judgment day? Well, verse 11 goes on. Then God said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Well, that seems to make sense. Because if you go to Romans chapter 9 through 11, you'll find out that the new Israel is the holy Christian church. And therefore, these bones that are brought back to life would be the Christians of Israel, Jew and Gentile. Behold, they say, this is verse 11, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Now, now, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. If this is talking about the day of judgment, why are the people of Israel saying their bones are dried up and our hope is lost? We are indeed cut off. Do you think that's what the thief on the cross who was taken to paradise on the day of Good Friday with Jesus, that he would say his hope is cut off when he's in paradise? No, there, there's no indication anywhere in the Bible that the spirits of those who are in heaven with Jesus awaiting judgment day, that they have no hope. They're, they're looking forward so perhaps our interpretation and our application is in error. Verse 12, therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. Well, that seems like we're back to judgment day. Because isn't that when he opens graves? Yes, that's correct. 
But why are those whose graves aren't open yet, why do they have no hope? And then he says, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Now, heaven could be understood as the land of Israel, the heaven that we're going to eternally, because that's where all Israel will be, Jew and Gentile. So once more, we're a little confused. Verse 13, And you shall know that I am the Lord your God when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. Well, that's interesting. We're back to the day of judgment. Isn't that when he opens up their graves? Then 14, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. Now, wait a minute. If you are in heaven after your death in the, in your own spirit, that means you've already received the gift of the Holy Spirit, either by hearing the word of God and believing the gospel or by being baptized. So what is this idea that after your graves are open, that God will put his spirit within you and you shall live? And then he says, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Now, you can see the confusion if you believe that the application of the Valley of Dry Bones is talking about Judgment Day when God will raise particularly believers from the dead. But these are people who already have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to take a look a little closer as to what he is talking about. And how do we do that? What is the proper application? Well, you got to remember, this is the day of Pentecost. This is the day when the Holy Spirit is given, as well as the forgiveness of sins for sure, in baptism. So we need to relook at Ezekiel 37 about the Valley of Dry Bones and see if it has a different application. And the application has to be given to the people sitting in the congregational pews because that's why they're there, to hear how God operates. What do the dry bones represent? It has to be where the people of God have no hope. And therefore, it can't be Judgment Day it's talking about because the people of God already have been taken in the spirit to be in paradise with Jesus waiting for the resurrection of their bodies. But it can't be talking about that because they already have the Holy Spirit. That's why they're in paradise. 
because they believe the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need to take a look. When is the occasion when the people of God are hopeless? Well, this is the book of Ezekiel. And this is a book written by a prophet to the people who are in captivity. The Babylonian captivity, God permitted for the Babylon's to come in and take Judah and Jerusalem into captivity. And the people had no hope. They were like dead men. We, we pastors can talk about that. We may go see uh, Shannon, and the Shannon is old. She no longer has her husband, he died. They may not have had children. Nobody is visiting. And the Shannon just wishes that she could die and be in heaven. She has no hope here on earth. But these people have even less to hope. Because what? They are in captivity. They are like dead people. The dry bones represent the people who were so evil in the sight of the Lord that God permitted Babylon to take him into captivity. And that's what we're talking about. So what is this about the dry bones will be raised from the dead? I indicated to you that the way to get the proper application is to, to permit Scripture to interpret Scripture. Now, this is Ezekiel 37, talking about the valley of the dry bones. Ezekiel 36 is one of the most important chapters in dealing with Pentecost. And what does that say? I'm just going to read a few parts to it. But this is how you figure out what the application is for the people in the pew. God is speaking to the house of Israel in verse 22. And the house of Israel, of course, is in captivity. And the God, the Lord God says, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. Now, you don't have to read much of the Old Testament to know that the people of God profane the name of the Lord. They even put statues to other gods in the temple. And they had places of worshiping other gods. Remember Ahab and Jezebel? and all that she had done. And the prophets of Baal thought they were in control until they had that duel. And of course, many of them were killed. God is saying, I'm going to do something, not just because of you people, but because of my name. You see, when they were taken into captivity, 
all the nations said, oh, they don't have much of a strong God. They're in captivity. If their God was true and powerful, then he would have saved them. And so this was profaning the name of God. And God says in verse 23, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. He's talking to those in captivity. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. So God is going to be doing an action that's going to bring his people out of bondage. And that will vindicate the name of the Lord. What's he going to do? Verses 24 and following of Ezekiel 36 are tremendous when it comes to the day of Pentecost. Here's what he says. I will take you from the nations, that is, your Babylonian captivity, and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. Uh, remember, the Babylonians were defeated and the next king allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem and they rebuilt the temple. I Now, now listen to this for Pentecost, verse 25 of Ezekiel 32, 36. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. Now, when does that happen? When God is going to sprinkle clean water upon them. He's going to do that at Pentecost at their baptism and they will be clean. They will be clean, not because they're able to stop from sinning, but they will be clean because God is giving them a wonderful gift of the purity of righteousness. That's what we're talking about here. And then it goes on. You will be clean from all your idols, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. What does that remind you of? Remember David? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Uh, yesterday in Bible class, I had a question from one of the members. I was talking about that God doesn't look at appearances. Remember when David was chosen as king, the prophet could not imagine that David would be the choice of God because his brothers were stronger and they looked more like a king. David was a young boy, probably kind of thin, not very mighty, but he had killed enemies of the flocks. So 
God doesn't look at appearances, he looks at the heart. And when I said that, the question was, but my heart is sinful. And then I said, no, you already know the answer that I'm about to give. And I started the verse. David said, I said, create in me a, and then everybody in the Bible study said, a clean heart. And I said, see, you have two hearts. You have your sinful heart, and then you have your new heart. And that new heart has no sin. It believes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on judgment day, God is looking at that heart as to whether or not you will go to heaven. So not only will clean water be sprinkled on you and you will be clean, but I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So that's the new heart that we receive when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I will put my spirit within you. This is verse 27, Ezekiel 36. And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers. And you shall be my people and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses. Now, that's the promise of God through the waters of baptism. After Ezekiel 36 comes Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. And now we have a different application to the valley of dry bones. It's, it's talking about the people of Israel who have no hope. So, so that can't be referring to them in paradise already. It refers to them here on earth with no hope in Babylonian captivity. And what Ezekiel is doing is what every proper pastor should be doing on a Sunday morning. He is going to put breath into the people. Now, it's interesting to note that the original word for breath is also the word for spirit, the Holy Spirit. How does a pastor do that? We speak the word of God and give the interpretation, namely, that these are people who are dead. They're like dry bones and they cannot help themselves. But God comes into their midst and combining 36 with 37, he sprinkles clean water on them and they are baptized and they receive a new heart of flesh and also a new spirit. This is how they are declared to be clean. And God, therefore, takes them, the house of Israel, out of bondage and puts them into his holy kingdom. Now, 
What's the application for the person in the pew? They too were born in bondage. It's called original sin. And what God did in baptism for infants or for adults or through hearing the word of God, this comes about there also, according to Romans, that they now believe in the promises of the gospel. And they're no longer dry bones, but they have new flesh. Their flesh has come upon them. Their skin has covered them. And what's the breath? It's of some interest that when Adam was created, God created him, and he was a human being, but he had no breath. God breathed into Adam, and he became a living human being. That's what happened to the people in the congregational pews at their baptism. God breathed into them the Holy Spirit, and they now live. The unbelievers, among all of us, were dead in our sins. We might as well be in the valley of dry bones. There is no hope. And what the pastor does every Sunday is give them the hope and the assurance of salvation. That's the good news of the gospel. So the dry bones are not talking about judgment day. They're talking about when you became a believer. Prior to that, you were like a dry bone and God reunited you in such a way as Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you got new life by Jesus dying on the cross, paying for your sins, and giving you salvation. That's how you apply the Bible after the interpretation. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we'll look at the hymn, Come Holy Ghost, God and Lord. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.